The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Hello there, I'm Miles Nelson, and you're listening to On The List. Every week, I'm joined by a writer from the PitcherList staff, and we'll talk baseball. We'll talk what they've been up to recently. Uh, we'll also always do a mailbag session where we answer your questions. You can send those questions directly to me or Austin Bristow in our PL Plus Discord server. Uh, and this week, I'm excited to welcome one of our newest hosts of the First Pitch podcast, uh, a New York native who uh, chose violence when he picked his Twitter username, uh, James Shiano, a.k.a. Jeter Had No Range. Hey, Miles. Nice, nice to talk to you today. And I will tell you, that was not my first Twitter username. Oh, okay. So you you got on Twitter. You were like, okay, let me see what this app's all about. And then let me make sure to uh, choose violence now that I've seen what's going on and really stick it to all my fellow New Yorkers. In a way, yeah. Because I started, I started the new Twitter when I started getting into baseball writing, podcasting, and the sorts. And I wanted to like create some kind of name, like like a handle that was like whimsical, but also kind of pertinent. And I started mm-hmm. before the 2019 season. So my, t- uh, my handle was Free Pete Alonzo because that was when there was oh, a discussion yeah. on whether or not Pete would actually break camp with the 2019 Mets. And eventually, thank God he did. And he broke the rookie <laughs> home run record that season. That wouldn't have happened if he didn't play all 162 games or on the roster for 162 games. So then once Pete was free, I needed a new name. And one of right. my more vivacious friends in a dynasty league I'm in, he's, again, a big Mets fan like me, big Yankee hater. His team name in our league has been Jeter Couldn't Field for years. And that was too many characters for my Twitter handle, so I augmented right. the G there had no range. I, I really like that. I think it's hysterical because um, it's definitely something that – like everyone knows what you're referencing. Um, it's definitely something that's become part of kind of like the discussion about Jeter. Um, anytime he's brought up, obviously there's so many amazing moments, but uh, people always go, yeah, but Jeter really wasn't like that great of a fielder. Or like Jeter really – like I, I, I've been hearing – it gets even more specific. I've been hearing a lot of like, yeah, but Jeter couldn't go to his left. And I'm like, <laughs> why? we're like really getting into like – it's like when you watch those uh, competition shows and they get into the end of the season and they're like, yeah, man, I'm really nitpicking here, but you could have used just like a little bit more salt in your salad, you know, and then and that would have taken it to the next level. And I'm like, man, dude, they're really like getting into it. So that's how we are about Jeter. Um, I just thought it was hysterical. I uh, when I first saw that name on Twitter, because I, I think correct me if I'm wrong, but that was your name on Twitter when you joined PitcherList or like yeah, shortly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, most of the time when people join PitcherList, you, you know get all excited. You follow everyone that you know on picture list and everything. And I didn't, for whatever reason, put two and two together for so long. And I'm like, dude, who's this Jeter had no range guy. Like this guy's hilarious. I love it. 
Yeah, and also just like you know, you know, like as well as I do, when you do put this kind of content on Twitter, you kind of want to create like an image and a brand of yourself. So I wanted to show mm-hmm. like I like stats and I can be funny. And yeah, I think exactly. His name kind of pulls them both in. Yeah, exactly. Um, and and back to your point about free Pete Alonso, by the way, you can absolutely keep that. Uh, when uh, during the height of the uh, war zone days, uh, d- like right at the beginning of the pandemic, I changed my um, Call of Duty tag from whatever it was. I don't remember what it was before to uh, free Joe Kelly because yeah. this was right when they suspended him for throwing at uh, uh, Carlos Correa or whoever it was. Mm-hmm. And it's still that it's it, like he's been freed. He's been freed for a long time. He's not even a Dodger anymore. Uh, but I think it'll just always be free Joe Kelly. Just always remember uh, a moment in time when, when we had to you know, stand up for our, for our guys. Um, we've already gotten off onto a tangent. Baseball related, mostly. But, you know, we're, we're already and that's, you know, what we do here on the list. But I want to I want to kind of let's let's kind of reel ourselves back in. Uh, and James, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your journey with baseball and just, uh, you know, did you play baseball growing up? Like what, what led you into, into doing stuff like this with pitcher list? Well, I've absolutely loved baseball. Like ever since I was a kid, my dad's favorite sport. We've been going to games together together. Like since I was basically an infant growing up in New York, going to Mets games and eventually moving to New Jersey and still commuting out to Mets games, played baseball as a youth. Uh, I had my, had my physical prime probably between the ages of like 11 and, and 14 and that was a great okay. time for me in baseball. But then eventually I was looking around. I was like, all right, I don't have to play this anymore. I guess I'll just keep track of it and still <laughs> love it. And I found some other uh, some other things I like to do, like physically, sports-wise. But I mm-hmm. kind of fell a little bit out of touch with baseball in college just because I went I went to school in Ohio, being a big Mets fan. First couple of years, I didn't really have the money to be paying into um, uh, extra innings. So I, didn't, mm-hmm. I wasn't really watching very many Mets games. Right, and right. there's no professional baseball team in Columbus, so it's kind of hard to stay in touch with it. And it's just, just you get so busy sometimes when you're in college, this and that. But one of my buddies start who who uh, did uh, Ohio State like football basketball games on the radio. He started he just wanted to start a blog, just talk about sports with people, try to kind of create a bit of a portfolio. Started writing with them during that, during my like, sophomore, junior year, senior year of college. I was like, this is fun. This is something I could probably like to do more if I possibly could. And then mm-hmm. I was in my first cubicle for like three months out in Columbus, and I was like, I gotta just do. I, I have. I just oh. got. I just, I just got to do this, and I um. I applied to a couple of blogging jobs that 2019 off season. I remember I got a text back from um, Ray Butler from prospects 365 asking yep. me for um, a sample article. And I wrote one sitting with my friends, like during the super bowl about um pitch mix alterations between um Jamison tie on and Marco Gonzalez and how they would be primed for a big 2019 season, which was moderately true. But the, the premise, the premise was there and he hit right, me back, right, told right. me the right for him. Wrote for him for a year, wrote for the website Metsmerized, the Mets website for a couple of months. And then I interviewed with Nick that following year and I got job picture list from that. There's there's so much to unpack there. Uh, <laughs> I just want to start off by saying I, I'm not at all surprised uh, that it was during your first cubicle job in Columbus, Ohio, of all places <laughs> that you were like, yeah, I got to do something else because uh, I've... You know, I want to talk trash about Ohio, especially Columbus. I've never been there, never been to Ohio. So, you know, I'm just a, a California boy here that everyone can can roll their eyes out of like, oh, of course, he's going to talk trash on, on Ohio now. But, you know, come on, like we can all picture it. We can all picture that cubicle in, in Columbus. Yeah, for uh, sure. And it's it's definitely somewhere where you, you need you need a little ray of sunshine, you know, uh, and, and what better than uh, Ray Butler to be that ray of sunshine for you. But I want the next thing real quick. I just have to know. So you wrote this during the Super Bowl. I wrote this during the Super Bowl. Yeah, I started it before. During the Super Bowl. And he wanted to be done by midnight because like it was just like, here are the hired writers and I emailed him late, but I had sent him like a sample of something I wrote quickly. He's like, write me with like a full article. And I was like, all right, bet. He's like, by midnight. I was like, sure. 
And I started it. I was like, I'm not done. And I had my pulled pork in the slow cooker, getting ready to take to my friend's house. And I was like, I got to finish <laughs> it. So I just, I brought my laptop. And luckily, the 2019 Super Bowl, if you remember, was horrific. A, a total stinker. Yeah, yeah I definitely f- remember it. For the people at home, it was the Patriots 13, the Rams 3, I believe. I think it uh yeah, 13 to 3 sounds about right. Yeah, so it was very easy to sit down and write about uh, Jameson Tyon slider and Marco Gonzalez's change up during that game and finish it off by midnight. <laughs> yeah, that was um I remember uh going to a big Super Bowl party that year. Uh obviously that was like one of the last ones that we I've been to, uh given the way the last few years have gone. Um and I just remember dude, I literally have one distinct memory of that Super Bowl, and it was because that was when the first end game trailer dropped. And everyone in the entire place absolutely shut up. Like the game was going, no one cared. Game sucked. The other commercials going, whatever. Commercials have been pretty bad for the Super Bowl for a while now. Like we've, it's not, it's not what it used to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see that? You heard that first piano key, and you see that like the the Marvel kind of color grading, and everyone immediately just shut up and stared at the TV. Uh, and that's the one thing I remember that Super Bowl 2019 for. So. Thanks for yeah. that, Rams Patriots. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, it was meaningful for both of us in a way then. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but that's super cool that that I mean, I I even even in that most boring of days, like I don't know that I could have you know cracked open my laptop and sat down and like written an article like that. So that's really cool. Really shows the drive and and the passion that you had, uh, how much you love baseball. Um, obviously, you mentioned your athletic peak being eleven to fourteen. I think mine was even before that because I think I might have been more like eight to eleven. Because by the yeah. time I was at fourteen and kids were throwing eighty miles an hour, I was like. Nah, dog. I can't see it. I, this I'm out. Yeah, you see my facial hair now, smiles. Anyone? I don't know if this is gonna be produced on the video, but I I blossomed a little bit early physically. So again, once once I hit 13, there I was in my prime. I was, and now I'm at this. I'm at the ripe age of 26. I'm standing simply at, f- at five foot six inches tall. But then, then I was really ready to rock. Exactly. I mean, it all depends. You know, you might have been five six in fourth grade, and then you know everyone just at a, a different place uh, when you hit your growth spurts and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, man, uh, uh, that's really cool. Uh, that 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 was something that you kind of uh, went and went after, and um, you know, didn't. I mean, going going into it like late into the into the um, hiring season because the Super Bowl, in a lot of ways, is like the last day before baseball season starts for these websites. Um, I know even this year for PitcherList, with the Super Bowl moving a week up, we you know. We started the week before the Super Bowl. We kind of really launched everything because we just felt like, you know, three weeks of February is like the right amount of time. But I even remember, even even though we had launched the Tuesday before the Super Bowl um, and we were like, you know, already kind of hitting the ground running, when the Super Bowl ended, everyone at the site was like, okay, cool. Now it's baseball season. Yes, yeah, Except out. it wasn't because, you know, Rob Manfred. But but it, that's, that's kind of like the unofficial, official demarcation of now baseball season has begun. And that was really the last like official demarcation of a baseball season beginning where there was like nothing else even on anybody's mind between like a pandemic or any like potential work stoppage or even last season. There was always like that like kind of weird feeling like Can we do this. I know that's next year. I know that was last year, like a little bit of a trepidation before the baseball right. season actually gets 2019 was the first like pure season. Yeah. Well, and not just not just the concern about like, OK, we just had this one work stoppage that was pandemic related. We're definitely gonna have a work stoppage next year that is CBA related and, and having this weird kind of in between season. But also remember how many people were concerned about um, like players being able to stay healthy for a full season. Oh, yeah. uh, there was so much talk about uh, pitcher inning limits uh, in 2021 because no pitcher went more than what, like 80 innings uh, in in 2020 or in 2020 during that shortened season, like the Cy Young winners had pitched like 80 
you know, 80, 90 innings, like even including the playoffs, it just wasn't what you're used to. And so everyone was like, what is this going to mean for pitchers in 2021? Yeah, that was also definitely seen last year with the fact that I think only three or four pitchers got over the 200 inning threshold, which was by far. Yeah, I think it was four. I feel like that's like the trivia question that I've heard on every single podcast when they do like their pitcher episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was four last year. Uh, I know Wheeler and Alcantara, two of them, because I've had that like seared in my brain. Cole is probably a third, and Wainwright. Know, Woodruff maybe might be the fourth. Wainwright. Uh, Wainwright. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Who, he he can throw. It doesn't matter. He could take years off and come back and throw two hundred. That guy throws you know seventy five miles an hour, so it, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't need. Uh, it doesn't need to be built up or anything like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, it's definitely weird. I think. I think even though we had. Uh, you know, the work stoppage, we have a delayed spring training and everything like that. I, I do kind of feel like this year has that feeling of like, we're going to have a full, like a full normal year. Yeah, I feel very swept up in it. Like since the day of the lockout ended, it has seemed to be like a mad dash of momentum towards this, this start and what, five, six days now, six days from today. That's freaking awesome. That's so exciting. Yeah. Six days from today and three days from when y'all are listening to this at home. We're recording this on Friday, April 1st, um, but you guys are hearing it on Monday the 4th. So you're going to be three days away. Um, I, I I know I'm excited. I'm going to see uh, the third game of the season. I'm actually going to be in Chicago next week. Um, just nice. uh, My girlfriend and I like to travel. We just go in for fun. Um, and I was like, I want to go to Wrigley one way or another. Never been to Chicago. Never been to Wrigley. Hell yeah. I don't, I, I don't care about the White Sox. Sorry, White Sox fans. Your team's <laughs> great. Right. Yeah. I would love to watch the White Sox play at Wrigley. Like if that was an option, <laughs> I would, I'd do that. Um, I like but I have to watch the people. Cubs. Yeah, sure. But I have to w- say with the White Sox is pretty nice. That's true. You know, I will say the White Sox have a really strong uh, presence on mm-hmm. when it comes to like 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 independent baseball blogger Twitter. Um, also, Jason Benetti, uh, fantastic, mm-hmm. uh, one of the best announcers in the game. So White Sox, y'all are doing everything right. I just wish you were at Wrigley personally, um, but. But so I was really excited. And then, you know, everything with the work stoppage. And I was like, all right, well, we'll at least do a tour. Like, let's at least see the stadium. <laughs> and then then they uncancel the games that the week that I'm going to be there. And they're like, oh, no, we're going to have those games again. So I'm going to see nice. Brewers Cubs third game of the season. Um, so definitely getting swept up in the excitement of it all. Uh, but as a, as a Mets fan uh, and with with <laughs> with the latest news, are you yeah. still swept up into it or or to you know, are you? Are you feeling a little messed up right now? Yeah, I'm definitely feeling a little bit messed up. I'm still like swept up in it enough. Like, but I have, I mean, I've said to myself, like, well, and to myself publicly, privately, that I still wasn't completely convinced that Jacob Degrom was really healthy. Like, I knew we get yep. we've gotten this close, and something was going to go wrong. Like, of course, something was going to go wrong. But I tried not to like let that negative cloud, like, like that negativity, kind of cloud the way I was thinking going into the season. And then yesterday right. they said it was tightness, and once that happened, I was like, that's it. I'm not, yeah. I know I know what's going to happen. Like I'm very aware of it. And I just want to let it happen and see what happens. And the fact that yep. that's the Chris Bassett trade is going to rain so important now because we have a guy who's going to be able to eat 180 innings. I'm a big big fan of Tyler McGill. I think he has room to grow and he's he's more more stable than maybe some people outside the Mets or some of the deeper fantasy world think. And then Bass mm-hmm. past that. Pray to God, just put Max Scherzer in bubble wrap. Don't let him do anything. I don't even want. <laughs> if he's driving in a car, I need someone in front of him and behind him. Like, as everyone, you take every single precaution with that guy. Right Those now. cars need to be wrapped in bubble wrap. Like, it's just a yeah. whole everything. Every single thing. Uh, Maybe a force field of some kind. I don't know what the, anyone we have on staff they can do that, but we need that. Yeah, uh, and and I mean, it's it's Degrom was the one. I, I keep I remember this a couple of years ago. He came back from an injury, pitched one inning, and then they were like. Oh no! Actually, he's not fine. 
and then he got shut down again for the rest of the season. Was that wasn't that Degrom or am I thinking of Harvey that happened to Matt Harvey? I mean, that could have happened any any Mets pitcher. You basically throw the dart against the board. Last year, Degrom he went down. They said he was okay. He made a start. They said he's not okay. MRI two weeks off. MRI four weeks off. MRI UCLA is intact out for the season. And last year, Syndergaard was the guy who came back for like an inning and didn't throw a single breaking ball. Maybe that that could be. Oh, that's right. No, it was like in the middle of the season. It was like June, and uh, he came back. It could, again, it could have been, you're right, any Mets pitcher, really. Um, Mets that. and Angels, you guys are, are brother in arms there when it comes to not treating your pitchers uh, well. Whatever it is that you're doing, y'all need to figure that out because that's the it's a curse or something. Uh, but but coming into the season, you, you look at your rotation of like DeGrom, Scherzer, Carrasco, um, Taiwan Walker, who's uh, currently hurt. It's, you know, it's like, uh, you know, Chris Bassett's – you yeah. needed you needed Chris Bass. You need like two more Chris Bassets. Yeah, definitely. And he, Chris Bass is basically sliding into the Strowman role of last year, which is the guy you can set your watch to because everyone else is going to exactly. fall apart around you. But I need you to give me a three five ERA over hundred eighty innings, please. And, and I think Bassett's a better pitcher than than Strowman, like uh, I, I pound for a, pound. I think he's probably a, a better pitcher in different ways. Strowman had a great season last year. He was like probably for the sure. most un, unheralded Met by far, and I think he even has more like strikeout upside because he's been tinkering with his repertoire for the last few years. He added a new cutter. Mm-hmm. He added the split change. He's been getting. He's he's very good. But I think Bass is just one of those guys that is in a he's a blind spot for anyone who lives east of like basically Ohio. Like unless you're a fancy baseball freak or just like obsessed with the game, you're not throwing on the A's A's Angels game at right. at twelve fifteen when you're when you gotta go to bed right. and get to work the next day. Yeah, that's I will say. Uh, being a West Coast person, it's one of the nicest things. Um, I've traveled to the East Coast for work a handful of times uh, over the last four or five years, and that has always been the hardest part. Is just like sports start so late, man. Yeah, and it goes so late, and it's like you want to watch, you want to watch a West Coast game. It's like you better, you better know how to stay up late. Um, I still remember being stuck in a in a work meeting um, and being really uh, excited because it was about four o'clock. And towards the end of the day, and I'm like looking forward to, I'm like, okay, cool. Um, as my dogs uh, squeak their toys in the background. And I'm like, okay, cool. No worries though. Games are about to start. I can start checking on my phone for for fantasy updates. And then I can, you know, just get through this last hour of the day. And I check my phone. I look at the lineups and not a single thing says anything lower than 7.15. And I was yeah. like, why? 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 On the West Coast, the games start at four. Like I'm, I'm able to do this in the middle of the workday. So uh it's i y'all y'all have some type of endurance out there on the east coast that i will never understand dude it is different i've been i've been in the west coast for a few weeks now and of course i've traveled uh out there in california in the past but these last like couple weeks of like a spring training game starting at 10 o'clock in the morning or a march madness starting at noon like that is beautiful sports watching and uh, truthfully it allows me myself to live healthier because i have like such incredible sports fomo that i hate going to bed when there are games on like i'm just like what if i miss something what if i miss something what if i miss something this right, right right so like now you, you can go to bed at a normal hour. I don't. I just don't. I simply just don't sleep. I cut sleep out. <laughs> or, or or that. You're that. Yeah. That's and that's then, another way of doing it. That's what I mean. In the West Coast, though, the games are over by 10. You can wind down by 11. You're, you're fast asleep by 12. You're up at 7 the next morning. You're ready to rock. Sun's out. Yeah. It's a great way to live. Well, that's why I said uh, football season's the best on the West Coast, too, because you wake up on a Sunday morning. It's 10 a.m., and games are going on. Like I, I'll just like I will literally go out to a bar for breakfast uh, <laughs> because I can watch the games and and just have a great time. Um, I want to, I want to. We've talked so much about the Mets. I, I need to know just as someone who doesn't live in New York, has never lived in New York. Um, you know, even here in in LA, right? We have two sports teams for everything, but there's a very easy way to determine like how you become a fan of which sports team in baseball. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, the Dodgers and Angels are 45 miles away from each other. They call they have different counties that they call home. If you live in Orange County, you're probably an Angels fan. If you live mm-hmm. in LA County, you're probably a Dodgers fan. Pretty straightforward. Uh, basketball, if you like good teams, you were a Lakers fan. And if you uh, like torturing yourself, you became a Clippers fan. Mm-hmm. So actually, that may that may lead into the Yankees-Mets thing. But I'm just curious, when you don't have as much of like a geographical difference, like to my understanding, maybe that's where my uh, understanding of it is wrong. But like, how how do people decide whether you're a Yankees fan or a Mets fan in New York? I think traditionally there was probably a bit of a geographical difference when the New York City boroughs were a little bit more defined, especially mm-hmm. when the Mets like were kind of a more of a fresh franchise. Usually Manhattan and the Bronx were the Yankee boroughs, and then mm-hmm. Queens and Brooklyn were the Mets boroughs. But you can even trace this back further because the Yankees going back 150 years with a team of class mm-hmm. and prestige, suits and ties, whatever. And then the Dodgers were the team who were like kind of the rough and tumble. The Giants were kind of something in the middle. And then mm-hmm. the Dodgers, the Giants both left, and that kind of left this weird chasm of working class baseball fandom that the Mets picked most of up. And I think that is where a lot of the spread comes. At this point, you kind of just ride with your lineage, wherever wherever right. your family likes, that's who you're going to go into, unless, unless, I don't know, you're some kind of an evil person. You want to watch the world so, burn. So basically, if I'm understanding correctly, if you are a Mets fan, and, and it's because, you know, your family, uh, most likely, you know, passed down generation to generation, it's because uh, your family was hardworking, working class, you know, picked themselves up by their bootstraps. And Absolutely. if you're a Yankees fan, um, your family's just elitist jerks. Uh, 100%. Nose in the air, okay. stuck up, 100%. That's the way it is. Gotcha. Perfect. I fully understand now how uh, Yankees fans came to be Yankees fans, and I'll make sure I'll keep that in mind. You never, never really thought about that when I talked to Nick Pollock, but now, now I know better. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll be able to see the signs. You know, exactly, Nick, yeah. Nick Pollock's kind of nose up in the air, and when he's six four, right? It's not. See, even there it's you hard, go. You're yeah. five six. He's six four, right? So there, there's another another example of Yankee fan versus Met fandom, right? Yeah, and we actually weigh the exact same amount, so that's funny. <laughs> um okay so you grew up uh obviously a mets fan is there a team other than okay i assume the 2000 mets actually i don't know i don't know how old you are when Um, when was like the first year you really started following baseball i'm 26 the first year i actually distinctly remember baseball on my television was 2003 that was a terrible year for the mets okay so the first most years were terrible years for the mets yeah almost every single year of my life besides like four kind of is there is there a specific mets team that you really hold near and dear to your heart um I feel like maybe the easy answer is 2015, but uh, is is there is there a specific Mets team yeah, that really stands out to you? It's 100% the 2006 Mets team because I was 10 years old. I was a I was a fifth grader. I was probably at the absolute pinnacle of how much a human being could like baseball, especially like height to weight <laughs> to baseball. Like I was maxed out of all those things. And the team had like, – I saw David Wright come up. I was at one of his first major league games. I, I saw Jose Reyes come from the minor leagues to the major leagues. I witnessed the whole Kaz Matsui fiasco that put Jose Reyes back at shortstop for that 2006 season. Um, that that team was really special. I loved Cliff Floyd as a baseball player. Paul LaDuca was Italian from Brooklyn. I'm Italian from Brooklyn, so I always thought that was kind of cool. Um, that was just – Carlos Beltran was a fantastic player. Billy Wagner was super – he was just such an incredible reliever. That team I really fell in love with, and that probably cemented my just complete like – I don't know, my fascination with baseball. And it was just the way it ended too was just so mess, and I was – God, hurts, hurts <laughs> to think about. Well, yeah. as a as a Dodger fan, you guys have that 2006 season over us. Um, you yeah, beat us. Double, I think double you swept tag. us. Yep, and I think you swept us in the first round, right? Was it? It was three. I, I think, I think it, it was three games. But that was the Mets. The Mets then were kind of like the Dodgers now, relatively to talent wise. Like that was when the Dodgers were still trying to like trying to find a way with a, with overpriced players and a cheap owner. The Met that Mets team was a pure juggernaut. 
Yeah, we were we were still a couple of years away and a couple of big moves away from being uh, a team that went to the NLCS and lost in I think both 08 and 09. I think against the Phillies both years. Uh, which I, I don't that, know yeah. if that's right, but it sounds something. It sounds sort of right. Uh, but yeah, that 2006 Mets team. I, I definitely remember that team. There was uh, obviously, as you mentioned, that was David Wright's rookie year. Uh, I think it was. Him, his, him. I think that was actually his third year. Oh snap! Well, it was, David, it was David. It was like David Wright, like taking over. He was, was yeah. he was like the face of the Mets at that point. Yeah, him and Ray uh, is kind of together on that side of the infield. We're becoming like something of a brand, and that was it. Was cool to watch like two young guys who came up with the organization do that together. Yeah, Reyes was a lot of fun to watch. Reyes was like probably the the most fun baseball player uh, at the time. I, I mean, he, him and Jimmy Rollins, and, and say what you want about Jimmy Rollins, him being a Philly, you being a Mets fan, but like those that had to have been the the most dynamic like shortstop like pairing. Not that they ever played together, but just like you think about two guys in a rivalry, like how 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 much better does it get than that? Getting to watch Reyes and Rollins play against each other. Literally, and you look at that era of baseball between those two guys, Nomar, Derek Jeter, kind of Nomar Jeter a little bit before, Rollins race kind of after passing the torch. That was the first time we saw kind of the proliferation of the shortstop position. Because if you go back 30 mm-hmm. years, there, there were, you, it's, you, you're hard-pressed to name the 10 greatest shortstops of all time. And if you look at baseball for the last three years, it's basically 10 of the 20 best players in all of baseball, position players at least. So those, yep. those types of dynamic shortstops who could hit and play the field were kind of rare at the time. That's why Rollins and Reyes – Especially Reyes. I mean, Reyes invigorated so much life into the Mets organization. Any any Mets fans out there who were going to games back in Shea, remember the Jose, 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 Jose. They were going around whenever he had a big at bat or if he had a triple or something. That was great baseball. But I think those two kind of ushered in the new era of shortstops, which I think has been good for baseball overall. Yeah, and then and then sticking in the NL East, you also had uh, Rafael Fercal at that same time, Fricall too. Was so fun, that yeah. NL East was just that. And was, yeah, y'all had great, y'all had great shortstops. Yep, uh, Marlins had Hanley. So I guess the real question is, who did the Washington Nationals have a shortstop, and why? Why did they not get the memo that the NL East <laughs> needed to be the shortstop division? Who was a national shortstop at the time? I feel like that was like a Chris, the Christian Betancourt time. Uh, I was thinking uh, Guzman. Uh, yeah, it could Christian have been Guzman. Guzman. Christian Guz- It was Christian Guzman. That's a good call. And, and then Ian Desmond right after that. And then Ian Desmond. And I don't know how Ian Desmond is still in baseball or like very closely still in baseball. And uh, whatever. Uh, I wonder, I wonder he, if Ian he hung on today. He held on for way too long. Um, so I, 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 you mentioned Paul Duca and both of you. First of all, uh, former Dodger, um, and he was. So you mentioned you were about ten years old when you first remember. Ten years is a great age because that was probably, I think, I was eleven that first season that I really like fully followed and like was like consciously aware of what you know yeah. being a, a fan of the Dodgers really was. And Paul Duca was our catcher um, at that time. Um, you mentioned both of you being Italians from Brooklyn. Did you when you? picked up the wiffle ball bat or the baseball bat and you were, you're batting by yourself somewhere. Did you kind of envision like you were Paul Duke, like you were stepping into his shoes? No, mine was always David, Wright. I would even, even I went and actually swung a bat in the cage for the first time in like five or six years last week when my buddies and I got, I got, I got my stance out. I think my stance have always had since I was like a child. He was like, Oh, David Wright in the box. I was like, hell yeah. Still got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, you still have the, you still remember the moves. Mm. Uh, and, and, and it's so iconic that everyone else can remember it and uh, and and know that that's kind of what you're emulating. Yeah, definitely. That was also kind of another function of that era of baseball. That was especially compared to today. That was like the last era where you saw like very unique swings and like low loadouts by hitters. Like today, I feel like the way the hitting instruction has gone, bio biophysics and baseball, it's all kind of homogenous. Like back then, you had. Mm-hmm. Craig Council, we said David yep. Wright, David Ortiz, Jeff Manny Bagwell. Ramirez, yeah, Bagwell, every Biggio. You saw the uh, Julio Franco, like you saw guys get in oh, the box, and you one. could 
you could instantly see what their stance was. And it was kind of fun being with having the wiffle bat in the backyard, being in the cages with your like elementary school, middle school friends and like kind of impersonating people. That's almost lost on the game today. And that's kind of sad. Yeah. The only thing I can think of right now, if I wanted to uh, kind of emulate something and, and I, I need it, like, let's, let's say I was on like a game show and I needed to emulate someone's stance or something in a way that like I could get them to guess which baseball player. There's only two things I can think of. One of them being the Soto shuffle. If I do the yeah. Soto shuffle, everyone knows what I'm doing. Uh, and the other one is Jock Peterson just kind of grabbing his junk. Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it's like literally those are the only two and i'm like i know for a fact that if i do one of these two people will know who i'm talking about but that's it and i could go we could go back 20 years and you you named a bunch i could name some more gary sheffield mm-hmm. um ichiro suzuki just like mm-hmm. other like really iconic stances and uh i don't think we have as many of those i think you're right it's almost uh, but why don't why don't we do this let's think about it let's have the people think about it for a second let's take a quick ad break and then mm-hmm. maybe maybe we'll have some more Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show all right. Well, uh, unfortunately, that ad break wasn't quite long enough. I don't. I don't have any others that I can pick up off the top of my head. Uh, maybe. Maybe I could do like a Cody Bellinger, like super laid back kind of a thing. Yeah. But then again, he's had about twelve different stances uh, this spring training alone. He might need thirteen. You know who has one? Freddie Freeman has one. Freddie Freeman does have one. Where he picks uh, the elbow out and he, kind of, he has the bend. Yeah, absolutely. And and I was actually just about to say, um, uh, speaking of uh, people who have played for the Dodgers at one point in their career, thank you, Freddie Freeman, for coming to the Dodgers. You were one of my favorite players even before you were a Dodger, and I'm so happy you're one now. But uh, Yasmani Grandal, he like basically is like scratching his back with his bat yeah. when he when he's about to swing. He's like it damn near looks like he's uh he's literally doing like a back scratching ad mm-hmm. with a baseball bat. You know what's um, another one? They took got me thinking of catchers. MJ Melendez, the soon to be player on the Royals, on the what position he's going to play, but he kind of gets crouchy and he like kind of waggles his bat back a little bit. He has a, he has a unique one. We will have to keep an eye out for MJ Melendez. He of what, like uh, half a dozen uh, plate appearances in his career thus far. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he played more than that last year, but I don't even uh, remember him getting one at bat last year. He got called up at the end. Well, then there you go. I, I have no <laughs> idea. I, I was just like, I know I've heard that name and I generally don't know who minor leaguers are. So I was like, <laughs> if I know who MJ Melendez is, then he must have played in the majors at some point. Because I, I, I and, and actually this is a great segue because I wanted to ask about this. But like my fantasy baseball experience has always just been pretty standard vanilla, like redraft. Um, I played in a few like very like shallow dynasty where I could like Google uh, baseball America top 100 prospects and like pick the top 30 names and I could draft from those guys. Uh, but I've never really like gotten too deep into it. So I was curious, like what's your fantasy baseball experience been? Like how, how many leagues do you play and how varied are your leagues? Do you kind of stick to like, do you have a lane? Like what's your, what's your game plan? I'm, I'm in certainly way too many fantasy baseball leagues. There's no doubt about that. And um, well, what's the number? What, like how, how many? 
I have to even think about it right now. I'm in. Then it's too many. If you don't know how many things you're in. Two on NFPC. I have three dynasties and I have. And I have two more redrafts. So that's two, three, two. So that's seven. Seven, seven leagues. That's, that's not that's, crazy. That's manageable. Yeah. No. It's, it's hard. But I don't want to add any more, but that's the way where it is, is it's fine. I think a couple of years ago, I went a few, oh, you know, eight, because also I forgot the TGFBI. So eight leagues. There you go. But, but I, I mean, again, it's not, it's not terrible. I, there's probably a couple of weekly leagues in there. Uh, you know, makes it a little bit easier to manage. Um, but so TGFBI, I mean, that's the deepest league I've ever played in. I'm in TGFBI this year. 15 teams. Mm-hmm. Was it 30 players drafted? So for a total of 450 players, uh, it was a lot of players I had to learn the names of and what they do. Um, was that was that also pushing kind of your limits in terms of depth, or have you been have you been in that realm? Um, I've done this. This is my third year in TGFBI, and I've I've actually knock on wood, I've come in the, the top 25th percentile in each of my first two years. So let's go. Yes, yeah, so with that confidence coming into this year, I, I I got in two new leagues on the NFBC. I did um I did a draft and hold, which I thought would be a lot of fun, a 50 round. You know, no pickups the entire season. Right. That's kind of really testing like your metal on how much depth, how how well you know the sixth outfielder on the Rangers, stuff <laughs> like that. But um, and then I did a, a cut line, which is cool because every every after every two week period, whoever's in last place, their team gets dropped from the league, and all of their players become free agents. Yeah, I've heard about that. Yeah, that's cool. But the otherwise, deepness wise, just from playing in dynasty leagues over the last few years, I've made myself very aware of like the fringes of rosters and how to accrue fantasy value that way. And that's almost kind of like what I like the most about fantasy baseball. That's how I feel like fantasy baseball at this level, mostly mimics real life baseball, being able to find a fourth outfielder in a good, in a good situation who only plays against lefties. You can play him on daily lineups and get the advantage that way. Some, maybe there's an injury. He gets to play 14 out of 17 games in two and a half weeks, stuff like that. I feel like right, is right. where I like to think about, fantasy baseball and a lot of like i've been playing in some points leagues and some artistry leagues head-to-head leagues like 12 10 teams forever like literally what my, what, mm-hmm. my home league the first home league i started with a couple of my buddies in middle school entered his 14th year this year we had our draft two nights ago that's incredible crazy and we still have like six or seven original members in the 12 team league and we've like it, we've gotten like an ebbs and flows and how committed and dedicated everybody is but for sure yeah that's that those are fun. It's also fun to like really get into the weeds and see see where if you can win on the fringes like that. Yeah, absolutely. And 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 uh, I mean, I can see the appeal. Uh, I I like to stick to a realm where I don't have to I don't have to think too hard about the people on the waiver wire and stuff like that. It's just I I think for me it's it's become a, a way to like I I really like to be in these leagues just so I can stay connected with the people in the industry. Definitely uh, more so than anything else. It's a, a really great way to interact with members uh, of the Pitcherless Plus Discord. Which if you want to join that, you go to pitcherless.com/plus. Uh, there's another ad break for you right there. Uh, but I, it's just a really fun way to kind of that's that's the way I, I've always played fantasy baseball. I've never really put a bunch of money on on it or anything like that um and so for me it's like if i have to find the fourth outfielder on the rangers who uh hits really well against lefties and they have though they're facing six lefties this week i'm 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 probably putting in too much uh time and effort <laughs> for for my for my own taste personally but um i definitely see the appeal because i've also always enjoyed i really enjoyed the one year that i played out um i didn't do very well uh, but I, I thought it was a really cool experience to kind of, you know, they try to mimic what it's like to be a real GM. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a really cool experience. Yeah. I thought so too. I've, I've looked into hot new, I wanted to do it this year, but I kind of got swept up in the new dynasty league and just getting a couple new, uh, that draft and hold. I spent a lot of time and research. Yeah. And this, this dynasty league I joined is a, is a 20, 20 team, like 45 roster spot situation with some industry people like, um, like, you know, Saris, James Anderson, mm-hmm. um, Brett nice. Sayer. 
yeah, so it kind of again been swept up in that. So I've been really, really paying attention to those two things. <laughs> you got to like, you got to do well in leagues like that, man. I mean, oh yeah. Even if it's not, I mean, like people mistake industry leagues as being like this is the best of the best players and stuff like that. And a lot of times, like these people really know their stuff, but they're spending their time and energy focusing on uh, content creation, uh, and, and they share their analysis with the world. And so you can learn how to beat them or like can get to their players before they do that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, but it doesn't change the fact that these are really, really smart people. And oh, yeah. if you show that you know how to play the game with them, like that, you know, that definitely does uh, wonders for, you know, just just having that, you know, open line of communication, having that respect from someone in the industry like, Eno, know, um, you know, that, that that's incredible. So uh, best of luck in that league. Um, yeah, thank you. <laughs> I hope I hope uphill battle. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope you hold your own. Uh, okay. and then, and then, you know, maybe continue your way to the top because dynasty leagues, mm-hmm. especially when you're coming into an established one, mm-hmm. you're probably not taking over the reigning champion. No, it's a really, <laughs> really, it was a really awful team. I've made like six or seven trades right off the bat and <laughs> I've turned over most of the roster already, but I think we're in a good spot. I like, I like what we did. Yeah. Usually, usually people leave because, uh, they have a bunch of old players, uh, and not a lot of, uh, not a lot of actual talent and not a lot of youth to look forward to. Um, and that's usually, then they're like, you know what? Uh, I'm good. I've had my fun here. And then uh, someone like you gets to come in and uh, try to clean up that mess. Um, I want to kind of go back to, uh, uh, you joining pitcher list. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, when you joined pitcher list, you mentioned you, you had joined right at the end of 2019. So you had done uh, a year of kind of writing in the industry and, and just being a part of the industry. And then at the end of 2019 decide, you know, Hey, pitcher list is hiring. Like that's, that sounds cool. Like, let me go see what that's about. And then right after you join, uh, not, uh, not two, three months later, the whole world shuts down. Yeah. Um, and so what, like, what was that like uh, coming into like a new website um, and being relatively new to the industry and then just kind of having everything be just kind of like, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely hurt my moxie for probably about half of that year. Like I wrote, I put like out two or three articles right off the bat. I did like a mock draft recap. I did, I did something about like outfielder bust or sleeper or something like that. Some base, some very basic stuff, like trying to get my feet wet, start things up. And then I just like, I felt like a tree that got cut down with the baseball being mm-hmm. over and no end in sight. So I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really feel like I had a, I had a niche or I hadn't really vigor to write it. I've been breathing and paying attention to picture lists like forever, like since like PL3, like I, I always read. Wow, Nick's that Day. is forever. Yeah, I was reading Nick's daily roundups like every day. Get my get my pitcher info. I was just I would always like keep track of the site, reading the going deeps and whatnot. But um, that that getting into that season, I was definitely out of it. And, like give a lot of credit to like Nick and a lot of the leaders during that year who kind of kept the energy high. But just like being new, I was so overwhelmed by the Discord. I was overwhelmed with just like having Twitter followers for the first time. Like the whole thing was just kind of like <laughs> scary for me. And um, and I just I jumped into doing some like very um like not segmented what's the words and very like organized types of articles i did the uh mm-hmm. is it legit for that season where i just like i could relax i could do one a week no 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 right. stress like no pressure and i could just do that and that kind of helped me re uh not reestablish myself but just like get the gears once again turning in my own head right, how right. to think about this stuff and how to do it because even that entire fantasy baseball season was completely disjointed like i had a yep. dynasty league that took the whole year off i had a like, couple that we couldn't really decide what we wanted to do the redraft leagues were strange and awkward it was a weird it was a weird year to be a fantasy baseball player especially a yeah. fantasy baseball writer yeah well and there's all the drafts that you did in in february i mean yeah. the so the the world shut down i still remember it was march 11th um when that was the the night of the rudy gobert game 
as, as it, uh, so unfortunate because, you know, the COVID was coming to the NBA one way or another. So sorry, Rudy, but, you know, you were the guy that, that really uh, was the catalyst for everything. So when the NBA shut down, that was when everyone else kind of like was finally willing to admit that we need to shut down. And I remember like in the three days after that, everything else, schools, uh, work, um, other, other sports leagues, baseball, everyone kind of took the NBA shutting down as like their um not their cue but like hey if they're doing it like we should probably think about doing this too um but most people i mean not most people but there were a lot of drafts that had happened a lot of drafts that were underway um and i I remember having those questions in in may and june and july of like what do what do we do about these teams that we've already drafted like you know do we redraft like what do we how do we handle this i remember that was the first year i was in tgfbi and we kept those teams the whole way and i had drafted Noah Syndergaard, who had got Tommy John announced like right when the pandemic began. Buster Posey had opted out right when the pandemic began, uh, when the season started back up. And I remember I had like three or four other guys in that team. Would ended up Sandy Alcantara, who wound up barely pitching that year because he caught COVID when the Marlins had an outbreak. And I remember yep. going through, I was like, "What the hell, man! Like this is the first, yeah. this is the first time I'm in like a high profile league with like some people who I actually like admire and have been reading for years." I'm like, "What? What goes on next?" Mm. It's weird, weird, weird. But you still finished top twenty. You finished top twenty fifth. Yeah, there you go. top like hundred ish. Yeah, it was good. I'm happy about that. It's fun playing these leagues, man. I love fantasy baseball so much. Really, <laughs> really a big source of my love for the game. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to kind of stay. Like everyone plays for different reasons, but it's a great way to like have something to root for and have like you know other than other than you know the Mets, which you know you. Eh. Yeah. There's times when that yeah. doesn't give you a whole lot to root for. So you know you got to have something. Um, I think it's really cool. You mentioning, you know, kind of jumping into, uh, is it legit and just kind of doing something structured and organized mm-hmm. because one of the things that I find, um, so much in this industry. And so I've been, I've been with picture list since I think picture list three, I can't yes. remember if I started with three or four. I can't remember. It's been so long. It's been 84 years anyway. <laughs> uh, but then I, I've been in, you know, picture list quote unquote management one way or another since, since you were brought on to picture list was the same time that I got promoted to being a manager of a section. So I'm going into my first year as manager, you know, big smile, excited to affect change. We're going to do things differently here. Everything's going to be great. My team's going to, you know, rock. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, everything got shut down and I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what, I don't know what we do here. Um, But the one thing that I, I see a lot is it's so easy to kind of like overlook this, but like, this is going to sound so dumb. Everyone's different. And by that, I mean, some writers can come in and they have all their own ideas and they're so gung ho and they like, cool, I have this idea. I'm going to write this idea. And they can just do that nonstop. Um, It is really hard to do that, especially for an entire baseball season, 26 weeks, typically, like that's a lot of like fresh content that you have to come up with and it can be really draining. And so for some people, that's like their way of, of they get the energy, they get the passion because they're the ones coming up with their own ideas and great do that. We love that. We want you to be passionate about what you're writing about. Whereas other people though, like that is like a significant like amount of effort and energy that they're expending just to get the idea for the article. Yeah. And then you got to write the thing, you know, you yeah. got to research, right? And so for, and so sometimes it's, it's really a great way to get started to just let me throw myself into something that has already been created or mm-hmm. it's someone else's article and we're going to swap weeks doing it or something like that. And it just gives you that, um, freedom is not the right word because you're not 
it's not freedom, but like it, it frees up like that that feeling of stress, maybe. Yeah, because it gives you. I mean, this works for me especially. It gives you a hard deadline. Like I have until X day to come up with an idea and put it into words. Like I can't, I can't lollygag. I can't procrastinate. I have to just do what I mm-hmm. think. If it's wrong, it that's okay. Like I feel like a lot of times, especially mm-hmm. with me, you try to write. Like I try to write the most perfect, best thing in the world. Like whenever I try like an open article like that. Like I've had, I've been writing a going deep about Luis Patino for like three weeks now. I just can't like make the words like sound right. Like I really wanted to write for the beginning of the season, but it's probably not gonna be ready. So. I'm going to have to like adjust my voice to how he actually stars the season, his role, his shoulder, whatever. But like, sometimes it's nice to just be like, all right, what happened this week? Like Tyler O'Neill just hit three balls over hundred ten miles an hour. Let's talk about him being a potential breakout or like, yeah, like any, something like that. Like, Oh, Victor Reyes, he has a 300 average, but he had had three, three barrels in the season. Like I can see something and I can put it down quickly. And that will help me kind of like declutter and defog and make things move the way they should. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I, I've told this story before, but like when my first year, um, you know, at PitcherList and, and at that time it was very unstructured. There was like a handful of different things you could do. And if you weren't part of one of those teams, like if you weren't doing batter's box, which at that time I think was just two people uh, doing those seven articles a week, or if you weren't already on like streaming catchers, it just was like going deep, just write about baseball players. Um, no, like that was it. That was like the the whole like, you know, uh, direction that we got. And so I remember I wrote, um, this was the start of the 2018 season. Yes. Monty Grandall has one of the best Aprils that any catcher has ever had ever. I mean, he dude's on fire and I'm looking at it and I'm like, there's absolutely no reason why he should be. He's getting super lucky with fly balls. Um, that's really what it's coming down to. He's hitting all these home runs and there's no reason why he should be hitting these home runs. So I started writing, uh, a, a going deep about, Yes, Monty Grandall is going to cool off and you now is the time to trade him or now is the time, you know, whatever, whatever you're going to do. But just understand that what you saw in April, it's not even like, oh, like, yeah, of course he can't keep up this pace. It's historic pace, but like, he'll be fine. It's like, no, this is really problematic. The only problem is it took me about two and a half weeks to write the article. By the time yeah. it published, he had already started the yeah. downswing. And I was like, oh, cool. I missed this by a week and a half because I took too long of just like of, of exactly where you're at with Patina. Like it's hard to find exactly how you want to put it, what you're trying to say in words, or it's hard to find the exact right metrics you want to include or like when to stop asking the question of like, okay, yeah. let me look at this. Let me look at this. Like at some point you got to be like, okay, I have all the research. I just have to put it in words. And it's hard to do that when you're just told write about a baseball player. Also, when there's a game every single day and the day after that and the day after that, like I, I find it so much more stressful to write during the season because like any single day of games can completely dismantle the point I was either trying to make or you're or going against. And it's like a little bit of stress, a little bit of anxiety will come up when you're writing something like that and trying to get out, trying to get out, trying to get it out. In the off season, you can just relax. I have an entire year yeah. of data. I have three weeks to write this. It's not a big deal. And let me like parse through it and, sh- and show my findings. It's very, very relaxing. You just have to watch out for uh, like a, some weird uh, off season. Yeah. You know, this guy went out, uh, was on a motorcycle ride, and, and yeah. now hurt his shoulder, and he needs shoulder surgery yeah. or something like that. Like I that's- had something like that happen this off season because I was doing, I was just like going down the fantasy um, with the fantasy team and the Google sheet, like signing up for an article, and I signed up for a pitcher, uh, starting pitcher bus, pretty harmless. I wrote my bus article. I had. Um, I had two guys on there who I'm not going to say because I was ch- I was chastised for putting them in, even though I still think maybe on fancy value they could be a bust. But I had Chris Dale and Jack Flaherty. I was like, there's too much injury history with these guys. The inning ceiling is not there. There's no reason I would draft them at their spots. And Nick had a starting pitcher bust that was coming out literally that week. So he's like, we can't both do starting pitcher bust in the same week. And he was like, and I'm Nick. So I was like, all right, yeah, you're right. You're Nick. You could, you could, put, <laughs> you could put it out. 
And um, I had mine right. I was going to put mine out like probably around this week. And now both of those guys actually got hurt. Their ADPs are completely suppressed. And it would be, it'd be a stupid article now, which is that's, it's just when things happen, it's hard. You're like, oh, yeah, whatever. It's tough. I, and it's funny. I actually just drafted Sale and Flaherty in uh, a Roto draft because I, and, and you know, Roto, I'm, I'm a little less concerned about when I'm going to get those in because I'm going to get the innings at some point. Uh, but I got Sale, I don't know, pick uh, 180, Flaherty pick 200, somewhere in that range. Good. Like, I mean, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at dudes like, uh, I don't know who else went off the board. I could pull it up, but it, it, the point that I'm making is exactly what you're saying is like, yeah, now we're not talking about drafting Chris Sale in the 60s. We're not talking about drafting Jack Flaherty in the 70s, which I think was around where they were going pre us knowing about their, their injuries. Yeah, for sure. Guys like Musgrove are going around there. Guys like Luis Garcia and the Astros. Like these are pitchers who are not only good, but still ascending. And then you look at these guys who just cannot seem to stay healthy. Sale less so than Flaherty. Casale had a big injury coming back from a flare. He's like, you're yeah. looking at three years now where the guy just can't, he can't stay on the field. It sucks. Yeah. And, and, uh, the Flaherty injury is a lot more concerning the PRP injection. And it, Absolutely. It, I mean, that's not, that's not, <laughs> that's not very optimistic of what you're going to get from Flaherty this season. But again, I took him to like pick 200, you know, I was looking at, uh, I mean, maybe I should have picked Alex Wood. Maybe I would have been happier with Alex Wood, but I don't know. Alex I Cobb feel throwing 97 miles an hour. Yeah. I don't know if I buy it. I don't know. I, it's, I'm, 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 I'm worried. Yeah, I'm 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 worried that this is a it's a it's a mirage and it's not something he can keep up, you know. Uh, I mean, and we've seen this from guys in spring in the past where they'll have like really hard like velocity because they're only throwing three ish innings. But even if he settles exactly. in, at, even if he settles in ninety five above his average of ninety three last year, that's a very different pitcher. And it's the Giants possible. are magicians, so as you know, that's very true. Uh, they've done some amazing stuff there. The player development up there cannot be uh, understated. Um, Let's talk about we've. I mean, Lord knows we talked about the Mets enough, but there's one Mets thing that we have to talk about that we haven't yet, and that is uh, the podcast that you started last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've alluded to it. I said yeah. I asked, uh, you know, if, if it was messed up, uh, but I, it's such a good name, I, I, and I almost wonder, uh, did you, did you, and and uh, your co-host decide, hey, let's do a Mets podcast, and then you were like, dude, that we have the greatest name in the world, and no one's taking it yet. Or did you think of Metsed Up and you were like, now I have to make a podcast because I have this amazing name? It was it was definitely the podcast then the name. And I, I want, I'll take full credit for coming up with that name. That was 100% me. We were we, we had like three at the end of it. I just like, I'm, I'm a little bit more of a wordsmith than my co-host Mark. I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more creative in different ways than he is in different ways. So I'm more creative again with like putting something together can make, create like an analogy, create some kind of like euphemism, like Met stuff. Mm-hmm. That was great. The other one that was like at the, at the end of those thing was the Met Sias, which would have been kind of hilarious, but I don't know if that would have played with everyone. And <laughs> uh, also, yeah, it also, I mean, that, that one, it's a little like Met stuff is just so funny because of, yeah. of the uh, reputation that the Mets have and, and you're poking fun at yourself. The Met Sias, it's like, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know if you're in on the joke. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know if you know that we're laughing at you. <laughs> That's so, true. Yeah, so we made the right Mets, choice. Mets, dude, Mets up is a uh, eighty grade name. Uh, oh, yeah. There's some names that you just look at and you're like, "This was destined to be a thing," and I'm like, "And that's that's one of them." Um, so you started podcasting with a YouTuber mm-hmm. who, I mean, I've I've seen him before, but I went and looked in and just kind of took a closer look. I mean, he dude's got hundreds of thousands of views on some of his videos. Uh, Giraffe neck Mark, what what's your history with him? Mark's a legend. I mean, my history with him is I grew up with Mark. We grew up in the same town, New Jersey, Westfield. Like we were always friendly, but we never like two good of friends. We had bonded over um over two things, like in high school, baseball and FIFA. But mm-hmm. we were never we were never again like the best of friends. We had tons of mutual friends. We hung out, never had a problem with each other. Two 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 swell guys just, you know, enjoying themselves. But mm-hmm. at the 
right before the pandemic began, basically at the exact same time that um, I was starting with PictureList, the end of 2019, I was moving from Columbus back to New York, which was, you know, had been there for five years, wanted to get close to the family. Had yeah, to be good, in, no, good for you. That's a good move. Yeah, had to be in a job. It was a great move. And um, I had moved in with a family member in an apartment like that was had been family for a while. It's just things didn't work out. And I, was, I needed a place for work. And um, he, with another person we went to high school with, had a room and I moved into their room. And through the entire year of the pandemic, we spent an absolute load of time together, got to know each other pretty well, sat down, watched baseball for like six straight hours together almost every single night and just like talked, shot, shoot, shot the breeze, had a good time. Both loved the Mets. And I had been writing for years. He had known that. Of course, he's, as I said, a legend on YouTube. He's over 250,000 subscribers. He, uh, yep. he gave me last offseason. He was like, hey, we should do a Mets podcast together. I was like, that is an incredible idea. And, and it's been, yeah, it's been fun ever since. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's really cool. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's just Mark uh, to you. You've known him your whole life. But, you know, that for a lot of people, when, you know, you work with someone like that, it, it can be kind of, I don't know, uh, intimidating at times um, because it's like, here's this guy with this huge following. Um, one of my really good friends from college is now uh, also huge following. Uh, he was with BuzzFeed for a while there. So that, mm. you know, that'll do it, right? That gets to the audience. Uh, but he, But when I see him, he's still the same guy. You know, it's still yeah. Ryan. Um, he's still just a cool guy that and that I knew back in college. And um, he doesn't act at all any differently. But I also know, though, at the same time, that if I was to get into like a creative pursuit with him for any reason, I, I know I would be kind of freaking out a little bit because I'd be like, dude, this there's like there's like, you know, expectations might not be the right word, but like there's a uh, he's got a following already. There's, there's, oh, there's, there are expectations. Yeah, there's definitely expectations. I did feel that starting the podcast with Mark, but we were we were such good friends. And I think we had both trusted each other's knowledge of just baseball and the Mets like so much when it happened that we there was enough mutual respect to make it go has gone the way it's had over the last year. Like we've grown a lot. It's been amazing. And like he. We, he basically like trained me for a year because we talked baseball and like I would I would shoot down things like I would give him ideas right. like we even have an inside joke that we say in the podcast a lot that Mark just harvests my brain for his videos and for his Twitter <laughs> like I will say things and he will act on them because he has the base and he has the following and I think with that right, right, right. he saw that I was a uh, I was a uh, I was I was ready was, I could potentially be someone that blossomed and uh, it's been good but even just like you mentioned how your BuzzFeed friend. It's still the, the exact same guy. Like I feel that with Mark too. Like we'll just like to peel back the curtain. Mark and I are getting very good friends, hang out socially. Both live in New York. He's very involved with the video game esports community. Still, one of his very good friends mm -hmm. runs the Red Bulls FIFA team, and they're pretty successful. So this friend, his name's Mike Lavelle. Everyone check him out YouTube, Twitter. He was running this massive event at this like gaming center in on the Lower East Side, like a, like a FIFA tournament. Like show up, sign up, snacks open bar and play FIFA against yeah. like actual professionals. And we show up to this and it was one of our friend's birthdays the night before. And we had a bit of a raucous evening. We were out pretty late. You know, New York, you can go out to the yeah, sun, sun comes up. We come to this thing and we're, we're both in bad shape. Mark was in significantly worse shape. His hair was all disheveled. He was wearing a sweatsuit. He, he just he, he Ubered, <laughs> Ubered there, the lazy, the lazy son of a gun. And he was like, probably the, he was like the biggest content creator at this event that's filled with professional gamers. And this guy, Mike, who's been friends with Mark for a very long time, he introduces Mark to a, like a marketing agent at this event. And he go, Hey, uh, Carla, this is, this is Mark. He's probably our biggest content creator here. And his hair is everywhere. He's wearing a wrinkled hoodie. He's like, Hey, how you doing? Nice <laughs> to see you. It's just like, <laughs> it's funny that these, like, I don't know, like people, sometimes we make too much of the people we see online. It's just, we're all regular people. Yeah. People are just people. Absolutely. Uh, I have, we have our first uh, question from, you know, from the discord first mailback mm -hmm. question nice. uh, is this is from a uh, uh, new staffer, Jake Crumpler uh, is Mark's neck really all it's hyped up to be. 
Yeah, it's a long neck. People, I think, told him when he first... I forgot the origin story of it, but he was streaming and doing gaming stuff on YouTube, and someone told him he had a giraffe neck, and he was like, that's the name. That's the name, Giraffe Neck yeah. Mark. Is is it true that his neck is uh, taller than your entire body? Yeah, it's about it's about that big. It's definitely elongated. It's not a normal size neck. It's, there's something going on there, and it looks much worse on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I like that you qualify. It looks much worse on camera. So now yeah. people are gonna have to see him in person and be like, "Oh, well, okay, yeah, you know oh, he's a normal neck. Yeah, it's just a normal long neck. Yeah, uh, long yeah, neck. no big deal." Um, all right. So uh, speaking of kind of like working in alongside, you know, kind of big shoes there with with draft neck mark and and you know, kind of like what that's like. The last thing I definitely want to touch on in the baseball realm is what you know. What, you're here in part because uh, you're stepping into some pretty big shoes, uh, taking over doing podcasting for uh, First Pitch, which is one of the most listened to podcasts on the you know the Pitchless uh, Podcast Network. Um, every morning, you're going to be helping people figure out what happened the day before. What do I need to know for today? Uh, you know, what was that like? Kind of throwing your name into that ring uh, when I know when podcast manager Adam Howe kind of put out the call about it said, Hey, this is something that, you know, we're going to need some people for, and, and we're kind of open to, you know, who, who wants to do this? What, what was that like for you kind of being like, yeah, I, I I'm down. Oh, the second you put that message out, I was completely jazzed. Like I was through the roof. I was like, there's a hundred percent what I want to do. And I want to do it really, really badly. And I remember, um, I remember like getting him cause there was like, a, there was a snowstorm in New York the night before he wanted the sample to be Dubai. And I had like, my roommates were being loud the day before. And I was like, crap. And I was like going out that night. I was like, I gotta figure this out. I gotta figure this out. And I ended up uh, recording something that next day, like an hour before he wanted something. And I, um, I was like, I really got knocked out of the park. I gotta slam this. Cause I really want to do this. Like this is, this would be yeah. like incredible for like just myself and like my own baseball knowledge. And just again, putting myself out there. And, um, I remember the last because I knew I've been listening to the first pitch podcast before. Like I wasn't like a religious listener. I wasn't an everyday listener, but I, I'd listened when I needed to listen. And I just mm -hmm. was trying to think of like a single day event during the last baseball season that like significantly changed the way we view the player. And I love pitching. And I went back to the Blake Snell game in late July when he scrapped his changeup for the first time because that was a drum that Nick was beating consistently last year. I, almost every right. fantasy baseball in, industry person was beating it incessantly. People were into pitching. Like, if once Blake Snell stops throwing this curveball, this changeup, gets back to the curveball or the slider, whatever, he's going to be a serious pitcher. So I like took the time machine back to that day. I pulled up the 40-man the transactions from that day. I pulled up the game, the SatCast game feed from that day. I opened with the Blake Snell, and I ran through it, and Adam like, uh, hit me up that I could have it if I wanted it right after that. And I just podcasting for the last year i've become like a little bit obsessed with it like kind of addicted to it it's really fun yeah, and I'd, it is I'd a like ton to, of fun. it's a ton of fun i think i'm like not like two more i think i'm okay at it so i want to continue to like push my push myself to do this as much as possible to see how much better i can get you have a good voice you've got a really it's a nice easy listable voice and that is one of the things that i mean you can work on it you can work on your delivery and stuff but there's also something you know a little bit of a natural born talent there uh with a voice and you've got i mean it's a nice, like I, I could listen to, I could listen to it on my, on my commute, uh, in the mornings uh, trying to figure out about baseball. Yeah, exactly. I try to be conversational. I try to be a little bit whimsical. I have peaks and valleys with the voice. I'm not going to just be some monotone podcaster talking about Blake Snell's changeup. Thank God he stopped throwing it yesterday. It's just fun. <laughs> I like, and I've always been like with my friends, like a little bit of a hand bone. I kind of like making jokes, like telling stories, like having a yeah. little bit of fun. I think that leads to the podcasting. That is, I will say, that is one of the dangers, though, of being a solo podcaster. Um, and I've heard it before in the past with uh, with other podcasts when it's someone having to do a podcast by themselves. You see it less on the shorter podcasts, like first pitch is like 15 minutes. It, it's less of a – because, you know, for the most part, it's very 
uh, very scripted. You know exactly what you're going to say. You have everything lined up. But there are those times when you hear those solo podcasts and it's like it is really hard for someone not to almost become monotone because they're yeah. just you're just monologuing. You know, just here. Is that something? Are you are you at all concerned about that? You know, doing de- being a solo podcaster. I'm definitely a little bit concerned about it. And when I did record my um my sample to send to Adam, I took like two or three takes just because I started. I was like, "What the hell is going on right now? Like, this is so <laughs> weird." Like when I finished, like my voice level was screwed up. I was like, "What is going on? Like it's never happened yeah. to me before." So I do. I am gonna have to like put myself like into a zone and make sure I'm like jacked up about it, especially because I'm gonna be recording these around one o'clock in the morning most nights <laughs> when this goes up. So I gotta make sure you know drink a cup of tea at midnight, and make sure I'm still still awake and active. There you go. And I like, I like that you're like, I'll have a cup of tea so that I can be up and active, but that I'm not still awake three hours from now, like, you know, yeah. uh, hand shaking because you had a cup of coffee or something like that. Mm-hmm. Not uh, a coffee guy, actually. Never, almost, I've had a very few cups of coffee in my life. A lot of natural energy. Thank God. Well, there you go. There, hey, that's good. You know, once you, uh, from what I hear, once you start drinking caffeine, uh, it's a lot harder for you to get your own natural energy back. Um, mm-hmm. You know, not that I would know anything about that. I would haven't been drinking two cups of coffee for the last year. <laughs> I got to, I'm trying to cut back on my coffee intake. It's just, you know, when you started, when I started working from home, mm-hmm. it's just, I started needing coffee more. I don't know what it was. Like there's something about, it's not that, you know, I've got a couple dogs keep me entertained. You know, Megan was working from home too. So it's not like a, there was some like lack of entertainment or energy around here. It's just like, I've never, I've never been someone who worked a job where I was in like one place. Um, yeah. You know, right out of college, I worked at Enterprise Rent a Car, where you got your feet all the, on your feet all the time, and then I worked in like a uh, uh, kind of like territory manager type of sales role where I was always out driving and stuff. So I was always like moving, and then pandemic happens, and I'm sitting at home, and I'm like, I need to get this energy from somewhere, you yeah. know, and I'm not allowed to go outside because you know the world's ending. Uh, so uh, coffee, you know, coffee kind of was what I needed. Um, but, uh, speaking of going outside, there's one thing about you that I think is really cool. Um, and that is what you're doing right now. Um, when we were talking about scheduling this podcast, uh, our initial plan was to record on Tuesday of this week and it just didn't work out for various reasons. But at that time you were in Pacific time mm-hmm. and we know you live in New York. So what mm-hmm. are you doing out here in Pacific time? Okay. I mean, you know, maybe on vacation. But, uh, very nice of you to accept my invitation to podcast while you're on vacation. You know, that's, that's really cool. And then, and then we're talking, I'm like, okay, let's do Friday. And you're like, okay, cool. Friday, I'm going to be in mountain time. Mm-hmm. So what on earth are you doing? Where, who, where the world is James Shiano and what, <laughs> what is happening right now? Oh man. The pandemic kind of showed me that like life is just, this whole world is too crazy. Just sit in one place forever. It's, I've been trying to like make a point to myself while I'm working remote and have this kind of freedom of, I don't even know. It's just freedom of travel. The, make a point and take trips every single year to see people I haven't seen, go to place I haven't been and do things I haven't done. Last year, I did a, a trip where I kind of put together spring training in Arizona, like a one week, like solo camping trip in Zion, Southern Utah, then nice. back to Arizona for more spring training with different friends, rent another car, one day in Vegas with a friend and then one week of San Diego with another friend and then a drive up to PCH just to visit different friends that I've been had in my life that I've moved out to California. And it was like overall like a six week jaunt and it led to being perfectly ending the East coast winter right up to baseball season beginning. And I was like, that, that was really great. I want to do this again this year. And I've done another jaunt where I left New York. I went to some friends who had just moved to Santa Monica, stay with some friends, at, live in San Diego in a beautiful home right by Pacific beach. And now I'm with another friend in wonderful Salt Lake city, Utah. So 
Yeah, man. And uh, some great places you chose to be. Uh, Pacific Beach, absolutely gorgeous. A lot of stuff to do there. Santa Monica is one of my favorite places. Um, I don't know. Did you, when you were in Santa Monica, did you get, get down to the pier and uh, did, to the yeah. Third Street Promenade at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That that was like one of my go-to spots for like uh, when I wanted to like take someone to like impress them, but I didn't want to spend a ton of money because mm-hmm. I was broke and in high school or college or whatever. Um, I always felt like that was such a good place to go and just kind of people watch, hang out, have a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Santa Monica is a great time, and uh, I recommend anyone traveling to Southern California go to Santa Monica. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Saw the sunset there like the day before I was leaving, and I was just completely awestruck. I couldn't even believe like the beauty in front of me, like the sun setting over the cliffs behind the Ferris wheel. I was just like, oh my god. Yeah. Definitely, uh, definitely uh, spoiled by our sunsets mm-hmm. out here because it, it it doesn't. Um, I've always lived in Southern California. I've always lived with uh, the ocean on the West Coast, and so the sun has always set over the ocean. And I have never really considered the fact that that isn't universally the case everywhere else around the world because no. I've never lived anywhere else. Last year, that was the first thing that shocked me. Like I was sitting at the beach. It was the evening. I was like, oh my god, the sun, the, sun, the sun's coming over the ocean. Like, oh my god, this is gonna be incredibly fun. Like East Coast, it's the ocean sunrises, which I've been lucky enough to catch like two of those in my life. And those are still beautiful, of course, but having a relaxing sunset in the ocean, there's almost nothing like it. Right. Well, and, and also most people are generally awake and, and um, uh, conscious and, and happy and having a good time yeah. at like six at six in the evening. Uh, dude, six in the morning, if you're looking out and you're seeing the sunrise over the over the ocean, you're probably like, oh, God, another day. Got to go to work. Uh, this is great. You know, it's a very yeah. different time of day. Truthfully, my two were both like evenings that were spent partying and then let's wait, let's wait for the sunrise. Let's do one of those. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like that's, that's the way that, that, that it's enjoyable, but I can imagine there's plenty of people who wake up every morning and look out yeah. their window, see the sun coming up over the ocean and go, Oh God, can you not, can you go back? <laughs> can I go back to sleep, please? Shut that thing down. Yeah, dude. No, we're just, we're just not going to have day today. Okay. It's going to mm-hmm. be an all night. Everyone's going to go back to sleep. It's going to be great. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's really cool. Uh, so you went to last year, you went to Zion. That's a place mm-hmm. that I've always wanted to go to absolute insane about a natural beauty. Yeah. Um, are you, are you like a camper? Like you were like in Zion, like in a tent or was it like a hotel? No, I, uh, I'm, I've, I've, I was like, always, I always liked nature, but I always like gave the nature the respect it deserves. And I was never one who was like gung ho the camp. But again, once the pandemic started, I took a massive trip where I hit a bunch of national parks, like in a car over like a month and a half. And I was like, I got to do this a lot more especially with a hot spot and being able to get everything i need to get done and being able to have this when i when i can have it it's special so what i did what i did was i actually rented a toyota 4runner in scottsdale and okay. i rented it for seven days and i drove that straight up to, I, I went to i went to walmart i got a bunch of camping gear and i went in that car straight up to zion i have a nice great app called campendium which will give you show you a lot of amazing free campsites that are like in the parks but not necessarily in the parks we pay to enter the uh-huh. park but you can camp for free. And I set up a nice bed in the back of my car. I put the back seats down. I had my little grill stove set up and I spent a couple wonderful days out there. just enjoying the nature, going on hikes, meeting people, socializing. And then some days just sitting in, in within the natural beauty on my laptop doing what I had to do. That's absolutely incredible. I, uh, the very first time I'd ever had any kind of thought like that was, uh, we went to Hawaii last year because, um, December of 2020, uh, airline tickets were like the cheapest, uh, that they've ever been. And so we got to fly a round trip to Hawaii for 150 bucks, which like that same flight sick. right now. I mean, right now that's like a thousand dollars, $800 easy. So we did that. And while we were there, I was like, you know, I, I, I could work from home. I, I could, I could work on my laptop. Um, how much is an Airbnb? What's a monthly? What's the? How much would it cost me to get a month long Airbnb 
in Hawaii. I don't even yeah. care how nice it is. It could be like the the littlest, tiniest, most awful shack mm-hmm. with like I have to go to the laundromat. Like I got no amenities. But if it's in Hawaii and they have Wi-Fi, like I could I could do it. I could do it. And well, um, obviously. Didn't didn't do it, but man, I you know there's something there's people like you. I, I have a few other friends who've done stuff similar to you. I have a I have a buddy of mine who last October bought an RV and is just he's just been working out of his RV ever since. Mm-hmm. Um, I I have no idea where in the world he is right now, uh, but every time I, I hit him up, he's somewhere different. Like that's so incredible. That's that that takes a lot of bravery because even though you know you can do your job, like it's still it's still you gotta do your job, you know. Oh yeah, of course. This is this kind of scary. I've had a couple close calls. There was one time when I was on this first trip I took in like the summer of the COVID year, and I was in a very remote area of Colorado, like on a mountain, and I had to get something in that night, and I had misunderstood, and I thought I could get it in the next day. So it was like ten o'clock mountain time where I was, pitch black. And this thing needed to be ready, ready by the morning. And my campsite, I thought I was done for the day. I, I had gone to a place with no service. That same oh, app, Campendium, no. had told me that this campsite had cell service. It turned out it did not. So into the pitch black, I had to pack up most of my things. Not all of them, because I wanted to make sure that I could have that campsite in the hour when I got back. Drove swerving down a mountain, in the, again, pitch black. Went to a Speedway gas station, sat there and like typed and sent something in for like an hour between like 10, 11 oh, o'clock at goodness. night. Yeah, and then I hightailed it back up and went to bed. Oh man, that, that is, uh, yeah, that, I, that makes me feel a little bit better about my decision to not <laughs> always two sides <laughs> of the coin. Exactly. Uh, plus also, man, you put your trust in, uh, uh, stuff you could buy from Walmart for camping gear. That was, oh, a, well, that, that was, a that, was move. that was a, that was a one week excursion. I knew I only needed a few things and there's, um, Walmart, they're very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They're very liberal with their return policy, much like Costco. So that's fair. I was pretty, it was like a rental. That, yeah. It's like basically a free rental, a rental on the Waltons, if you will. They kind of always won. Yeah, there you go. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, they they they're fine. They're fine. Yeah, they're, they're okay. not. They're not going to be okay. Um. All right, we got a couple final uh, mailbag questions. Um, sure. and actually, one of them directly related to this. So again, back to Pitcherless Stafford, Jake Crumpler. Um, what has been your favorite place uh, to camp or hike? Huh. Favorite place to camp or hike? Well, Zion was incredible. I like. I spent more time there than most other places I've been. So that was pretty lovely for that reason. But Teton national park and um in uh wyoming like right outside between jackson hole you and did, yellowstone was absolutely yeah you didn't you didn't find any uh you didn't find any dead bodies there right i did not find any dead bodies that was that was the year after i was there but um that place was sensational i saw a moose there though and a bear that was pretty cool wow bear wow on, i don't think i've ever seen a moose trail that's incredible yeah the bear was like there was a woman like we we saw this woman on our hike at the beginning and she was like super chill woman blonde hair she was laying on a rock in the middle of this magnificent like rock field, the middle of the Teton National Park, just reading a book. She had like a white shirt, just said Brooklyn and black leathers. And I was like, all right, this, this, this chick is chill. And then we're coming, we got to the end of the trail and we're coming back and she was coming toward us. She was like, hey, watch out, bear back there. And we're like, what? And then there's a bear just like <laughs> scampering like 20 yards behind her. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I have my hand in the and bear she, spray. She, I was like, breathe. And she's just walking away from it like a, like a, a superhero walks away from an explosion. Yeah, literally. But like so chill. She's like, oh, there's a bear over there. He's so cute. I was like, oh, God, no, please, please, no. But those two places <laughs> like are great. 700 uh, pound grizzly back there. That's yeah, well, if it was a grizzly, I might not be here podcasting you today. Luckily, it was a black bear and they're, they're mostly docile, <laughs> but you still never know. But those two places, definitely some of my favorites. Also, some other like underrated ones. The Smoky Mountains down in North Carolina are lovely for some of the East Coast people. It's a great weekend trip if you want to take it, maybe like a five day or Asheville's mm-hmm. a lovely place. 
uh, Taos, New Mexico. No one really talks about its nature, but it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. The Enchanted Circle for the people at home. Check that one out on Google. Those are probably interesting. my favorite four that I've been to. Okay. And then I just, this, this isn't the question, but I'm curious, what's a underrated place in New York? Like if someone, a, a fellow New Yorker like you wants to get out, doesn't know where to go. Cause all I picture when I picture New York is just, yeah. you know, skyscrapers and, and concrete. What's a, what's a quick underrated place to go? Quick. So you want something like in the city? I, I want, I want something that I can get to that day. If I, if I woke up on a Saturday said, I'm going to see some nature today and then I'm going to make it back to my home mm-hmm. that same night. Oh, there's plenty of options for that in New York. The Harriman National Park up in like northern New Jersey, like upstate-ish New York on the border there. Beautiful. Tons of great easy day hikes. The Catskill Mountains are only two-hour drive away. They're lovely. Poughkeepsie is a fun town. New Paltz is an incredible hippie town upstate New York. There's tons of cool lakes and rivers up there that you can swim in. They're wonderful. And also, if you're just in New York and you want to do something for the day, the North Bronx has like some incredible nature, some like shocking bluffs and cliffs. There's something, the cloisters. If anyone out there has a car in New York, it's really hard to take it by train if you're in lower Manhattan or Brooklyn. The cloisters up in northern Manhattan by the Bronx is like this incredible scene of nature. Apparently seals will come there towards the end of the summer. Like it's actually Yeah, I was like, about to say, like that's a Pokemon name, yeah. uh Cloister, so you can't fool me. But now now I'm seeing a, a pattern because I'm pretty sure Seal evolves no seal evolves into Dugog, but whatever. I got mm. Seal and Cloister. <laughs> There's definitely a New Yorker who worked on the uh, translation of uh, Pokemon names. Absolutely, uh, yeah. And then also and, in and New he, York, I mean, how, like Prospect Park, you can get lost in there. It's an incredible, incredible park. It's the best kept secret in all of New York. Prospect Park is actually where we had our um, – so before the Pitcherless meetup last year, we had uh, a staff wiffle ball game. Yeah, I was there. And we were at, we had it at Prospect Park. I wasn't uh-huh. there, I, but yeah. I, that was one of the first things when, when Nick um, promoted me to – you know, whatever it is I do now, uh, one of the first things Nick gave me to do was the meetup. He was like, mm-hmm. you got to plan the meetup. And that included like, I was coordinating with like some lady at Prospect Park to like get the permit for y'all. Yeah. And, and then I was like calling the bar to like hook it all up. And mm-hmm. then I was like, all right, Nick, here's all the details. Cause I'm not, I can't make it. So I, I can't <laughs> do it, but here's all the details for your, and I was like, I don't know any of this stuff. Like I have no idea. I had no clue what I was doing. I was like, I hope I'm setting y'all up with something good. Cause okay. I don't, I don't know anything about New York. We have like ha- like half of our staff lives in New York. I don't know why Nick mm-hmm. didn't, you know, any of the people who are actually local. But I was like, you know, y'all figure it out. You guys are no, good. It was, it was definitely uh, good. It was a test. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I ho- I'm hoping I can make it out this year. Because uh, yeah, Lord, be I've been in New York a couple times, but I've never, I've actually weirdly never been to New York during the day. I've only, That's uh, because my, when I, every time I've been to New York was because I was uh, out with my company. My company is headquartered in Parsippany, New Jersey. Uh-huh. And uh, I would just, as soon as work was over, uh, as soon as whatever we were doing that day training, I would hightail it to the train um, yeah. and then take the train in uh, into like, uh, what's the name of the big, the big one, right? By MSG. The really Grand Central big... Penn Station. Penn, Penn Station. Station. Yeah. yeah. Get into Penn Station and then uh, meet up with whoever I can meet up with, uh, Nick, whoever. Um, and, and have a good time, but that I've literally only ever been there from like six to midnight. I've never, never been to New York otherwise. Um, all right. Two final questions for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, this one from Nick is going to be a tough one. So Nick Pollock asks, what is your grandest aspiration? That is tough. Um, grandest aspiration. I would love to fully supply everything I need in my life, like financially through baseball commentary. If I could, get get more equipped with podcasting if i can get on the radio if i could get like if i can even the grandest aspiration do a tv spot if i could start the youtube channel up which i might be doing if i can do anything like that and i could turn if i can turn baseball into what i actually do mostly for profit and make that be my source like that would be that'd be so wonderful for me otherwise like 
I'd love to continue to have a life where I can do this. I can still travel regularly. Um, I want to, I've always wanted to do like, this, this is a crazy like travel goal I've had for myself. I'm almost, I've almost got, got the 50 States. I'm going to get that. That's easy. Oh, I want to, I want to be able to try and see if I could do six continents in six weeks. It's always something I've wanted to do. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Hold on. So you say you're almost at 50 States, which yeah. if Remember, you know, 37? off the top of your head, I haven't done Pacific, 37 Pacific Northwest, uh, okay. Montana, um, Washington, Oregon. I haven't done any of those. I haven't done either Dakotas. I have not done Minnesota. So I just kind of like the north northwest yeah, region of, also, of the map. Yeah, deep south, and then also Maine. You have not been to Maine. You know, not it's funny. Actually, that was I one of the questions. Yeah. <laughs> ben Brown wants to know if you've ever been to Maine. Yeah. He lives in Maine, and uh, uh, just tell him I'll let I'll, I'll make sure to let Ben know. Yeah. Uh, or if he listens to the podcast, we can let him know that you've never been to Maine because never ben been Brown to Maine. Lives there and, get you there, and you don't want to. No, you don't want to go there because Ben's there. I certainly want to go. I'd love to go to Portland. This seems like a great place. I want to go to both Portlands. I'll knock two of my states off, and those seems like two fun, two fun places to go. But grandest aspiration, I want to. I don't know. I don't know how to say this, but I just want to like make it. I want to do it. Yeah, and then well, and and speaking of making and doing it, you said you also mentioned six continents in six weeks. Yeah, uh, that like, is that is insane. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a it's a spunky dream I have. I want, I've always wondered how it could be possible logistically, but if it can, it's something I'd like to do. You were like, you were like, yo, I really like that one movie with around the world in eighty days, but let's yeah. cut that time in half. Yeah, like eighty also, days. You don't, that's... You don't, you don't do all of it, you know. <laughs> uh, last last question. Last, and this is probably gonna be the toughest one. This comes mm. from uh, uh, Steve Gaswelli, a host of Wins About Fantasy. He says, mm. "Say something nice about Derek Jeter." Ah, oh, say something nice about Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter could have been an incredible third baseman. <laughs> I don't know if that qualifies. I don't know if that qualifies because that's you know it's funny. Someone when you're in sports, you always think about uh, potential as like something that's good, right? Yeah. Uh, when someone has a great a great potential, we say, "Oh my god, like that that that's really great." And someone pointed out to me recently that you, when you have potential, what you're also saying is that you you kind of suck right now. You're not very <laughs> good at the moment. Otherwise, we wouldn't say you have potential. You just are already there. So for you to say that Derek Jeter had the potential to be a great third baseman, I don't know if that qualifies. I don't have to get – I'm going to have to try one more time. You have to right. – I'm One more time. Derek Jeter was very skillfully out of position on the flip play when they got Jeremy Giambi at home plate. There you go. I like that. Great I like instincts. that. You know, he was, he was in the wrong place altogether. At the right time. Uh, but, you know, but, but, you know, sometimes being at the wrong place at the right time uh, is exactly what, uh, what you need. Uh, yeah. and, and I, you said skillfully, I'll take it. Um, James, absolute pleasure speaking with you today. Uh, everyone, please check out the first pitch podcast this year. James is going to be on it. What, what, uh, do you, what days are you going to be on James? Um, I'll be coming out Tuesday mornings and Wednesday mornings, Tuesday mornings and Wednesday mornings on your commute. Listen mm-hmm. to James, wonderful voice. Listen to him, tell you about what you need to know and, uh, why it's just the Mets. Just, just pick up all the Mets, uh, <laughs> Never. and, and and all the Mets pitchers, they're going to be fine. Uh, DeGrom's fine. Scherzer's oh, fine. I got uh, it. But also check out the Mets Up podcast because yeah, uh, who doesn't who doesn't need more Mets stuff in their life? No, any Mets fans out there, please check us out because we're doing good things. We're going to have probably a big announcement coming this, the day after this comes out, next Tuesday before the season starts. And we're very excited about what we're going to be able to pull off this year. That's that's exciting. That's exciting. I'm definitely gonna have to check out the Messed Up podcast on uh, on the Tuesday now because I I want to know. I want to know what this announcement is. James, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see who we have on the list next week. Mm-hmm.